We believe in our editorial process so much that we share it with you on this show. Um, I kind of always do this goofy thing of being super psyched about special episodes. And um, what's kind of amusing about this episode is at one point we thought we were going to have six people um, and three very powerful poets all together in New York. And that whole thing just fell apart. (laughs) So um, it's going to be a very intimate and small conversation today. But I think that'll be interesting. Let's see how it goes. Um, So I'm Kathleen Volkmiller, and I'm an essayist and uh, director of the graduate program in publishing here at Drexel University. And I'm in at Drexel in my uh, transcendent blue painted walls and my walls are made of cinder block. <laughs> Can you get it? Can you feel it? I've tried. There's lots of decorations in here. I try. But there's also like, you know, that gum that you, that poster tech stuff? <laughs> I am so not domestic in these ways that when posters fall down, I, <laughs> the gum stays up. So it's part of my decor is these pieces of what looks like chewing gum on my walls. Um, so there's that. And um, with me in the office today is Cherie DeVos, our current co-op. Hi, Cherie. Hi, Kathy. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Cherie DeVos, and like she said, I'm the current co-op. I'm the editorial assistant here at DPG and PBQ, um, and I am a junior at Drexel studying many things. <laughs> oh. Such a great time in your life, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, she looks remarkably beautiful today. She's wearing a, a blue bow in her hair that kind of matches my cinder block office. <laughs> <laughs> also with us today is Joe Zhang, our audio engineer. Hi, everybody. Yay. Yay. And hi, Marion. Well, hello there. It's Marion Wren, and I'm calling in from New York. I am in my apartment, um, and since we're talking about walls, I will tell you that there's a two-foot crack in what we think is a really important wall for the building <laughs> that happens to be in my living room. Um, so the um, uh, construction guys are going to come over in the next few days and literally take the wall out and replace it. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So Don't God, be home when God, they do that. God, Go out. God bless construction people who know how to do that stuff. Um, wow. So yeah, so I'm back in your time zone and so happy that I had a chance um, to be with the crew in Philadelphia uh, on Monday at the PBQ meeting and reading at the Black Sheep. So I'm really excited um, to have this conversation, especially after having got to meet uh, Cherie in person. Hi, Cherie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we had an absolutely terrific um, meeting. We were even sad we didn't record it. We were like, wow, this was so good. (laughs) We had such a great time, even though we were accidentally relegated to the basement. It kind of makes it cozy. We have a big booth down there, and we got a lot of great work done, and then we had a terrific poetry reading. Yes, we did. Yes. Yes, we did. So great to ha- drink wine with you, Marion, and now Yay. drink coffee with you, and, and we're, we're synced in our beverages. Our beverages are synced, absolutely. <laughs> our beverages I'm, are synced. I'm digging it. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> okay, so today we have two poems by two different poets, and the only thing they have in common is both of these, um, they're both women poets. Um, I really don't think they know each other. They're just coming together for this podcast <laughs> for us. But um, they had their work, their uh, they had both submitted like three or five pieces and everything got accepted at other places. They were just getting oh. sucked up by the literary magazine world. And we said, let's jump on these as fast as we can. <laughs> so, um, so that's why we have one each from two different poets. Um, I think we should jump right in. Want to do the first one, Mare, since I just talked so much? Yeah, I, I would love to. It's called okay. Elegy, and it's by <laughs> Jessica Hudgens. Um, and uh, listeners, when you when you take a look at this on our page, uh, you're going to see that the lines uh, really vary in length pretty wild, wildly, right? Some are really long, and some are quite short, and it's a multiple stanza poem. So this is Elegy. When my mom and dad were doing the young married person thing, my aunt was always single, so she babysat. She gave me Cheerios and I ate while she had her breakfast cigarette. And afterward, we took walks and I pointed out all the volunteers, which is what my dad told me you call a plant you haven't planted that by its own receding appears where it is not needed. And I told her to wash her hair with cold water, another thing she knew I had learned from my dad. She asked me, What's so great about your dad you only learn from him? And since then, I've been thinking it's not about greatness as much as it's about what sticks. Like, Jesse, I heard on the radio that sucking it in isn't healthy. You have to fill your belly to breathe well. And other things that are beside the point, which is that my aunt is not old, but she's not well. She didn't teach me any words about plants or about how the body should be treated, but she questioned me as anyone should be questioned who is like the soil and takes every small thing that's offered. You know, the, the, uh, obviously I've read this before, but um, I think that both, that every time I'm looking at this, I'm really digging the juxtaposition between the really specific mundane Cheerios, breakfast cigarette, wash your hair with cold water, right? To the, to the larger philosophical moments as well. You know, how those, those two are woven together. I think that's what attracts me here. I, I think I'm drawn to the, to the very fact of this elegy, right? Like the, the elegiac quality of both acknowledging the sort of love and honoring of the father and then this sort of like what feels like um, aggressive question about like why you trust, why are you so enamored of that father figure, voice, truth teller, right? And that what feels like aggression is also an act of, of love and care, right? That the aunt is, is suggesting, you know, think, think twice about what it is you, you take to be truth, right? Um, which to, to my mind is just a really like accurate grasp of the complexities of, of these relationships in a family, fathers and aunts and daughters and, mm -hmm. and how all that works. So that's, that's actually the thing that I'm drawn to. It's a much more sort of like um, the, as you said, like the philosophical side of it, right? Yeah. 
Well, that whole concept of, and since then I've been thinking it's not about greatness as much as it's about what sticks. Mm -hmm. I think that that kind of has resonance. And I think once you read it or or hear hear it, you're going to think a lot about that. Why do I remember that? Mm-hmm. when he was trying to teach me all of this, you know, and I only remember these strange factoids that stick, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. How old do you think the speaker, the speaker is supposed to be? Now or... Yeah, she's now. Well, I mean, she's little sorry, enough in right, the poem right now. I mean, like right. little when these things are being told to her. About. I think pretty little. If she she needs a babysitter and she's eating Cheerios. Yeah, yeah. Right, that puts her under ten. Yeah, Cherie, why do you ask? What's what's behind the question? Um, I guess the. Well, pretty much the reflection of the, the things that were taught by the dad, the things that are being mentioned, it makes me mm-hmm. how old she was, that those things stuck. Like, um, I mean, clearly, 10, she could be old enough to know how to wash her own hair and her dad to teach her tips about doing that. Mm-hmm. Or um, like this one about, I wonder where this comes from. Jesse, I heard on the radio that sucking it in isn't healthy. You have to fill your belly to breathe well. Mm-hmm. So like things like that, I'm wondering where they're coming from, if they're at different points throughout her life or when they um. were at a very specific time. Um, makes me wonder so reading that I'm starting to think it's at like some different points throughout life because if her aunt Mm -hmm. her aunt's babysitting her was a constant thing then I guess this is a pretty good like time span Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's Sheree I like the way you're you're sort of you've you've framed that in a way as um it reminds me so much of what is the Robert Hayden poem those winter Sundays right and the way um, Hayden is able to sort of conjure his childhood self, right? Recollecting what it was like to be in this the house that was sort of um, cold until, you know, banked fires burned, right? And that the father was responsible for um, creating warmth in the house. And that poem turns on that moment of, of reflection um, and recognition and gratitude that only the adult version of the speaker has, right? So that the child doesn't know and can't be grateful, but the, the adult eye, right, looking back is certainly grateful. And I, I take your point that if, if this was where you were headed, it's not like 100% clear the, the, the sort of time frame of the younger version of this eye, but it's really clear to me that the eye looking back is an adult and the adult looking back is actually kind of ambivalent, right? Feeling like both um, gratitude and a kind of repulsion, right? For this, the, the aunt, the figure of the aunt here and the questions that she's, she's posing, right? About the, the wisdom of the father figure. A kind of repulsion? Yeah, so, and for me, it's here, right? After the Jesse I heard on the radio, yeah, which is that my aunt is not old, but she's not well. She didn't teach me any words about plants or about how the body should be treated. So those two lines make me think that like the gratitude is for the father who taught, you know, words about plants and how the body should be treated. But she questioned me. And then it's like, 
as anyone should be questioned, right? So for a moment, you're like, oh, well, the aunt didn't teach the, quote, right things, right? Oh, but what she did do was question, as anyone should be questioned, who's like the soil and takes everything in, right? So I, to me, that feels like a little, a little bit ambivalent. Wow, I, I have a total opposite read. Oh, do tell, do tell. Well, total opposite. I think she truly appreciates that the aunt approaches hanging out with her in a different way. Mm. You know, they take these walks and she questions her and those questions have stuck. Mm-hmm. It was like the soil and takes every small thing that's offered. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's being paid attention to. So it's still oh, meaningful. Interesting. So you, so the questions are what stick, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Takes every small thing that's offered. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that she's absorbing everything, every, you know, when anybody shines a light on her and pays attention to her, she takes it in, you know? Yeah. And I, and it's funny, I think you and I are like on the same footing there too, because she's questioning the act of taking it in. So she's planting a seed of doubt in, in this, in the child who takes everything in. Mm-hmm. Right. So she questioned me as anyone would be questioned, should be questioned who is like the soil, right? So if you're like the soil and take it in passively, what the ant is doing is also like shaking it up a little bit, right? Like you should be questioned. You perhaps shouldn't be like the soil. Or right? she should question what she's being told. Like, why Bingo. is everything your dad says so great? Like consider, consider things your dad says. I think it's, yeah. you know, I think yeah. it's that too, that like she's telling her, think for yourself. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which is to say, I, you know, this, the poem, like I have to, like, I'm not in love with the, the sort of the way the, the lines sit on the page, like the, the word like, you know, getting its own line Mm -hmm. um, right next to the giant run of Jesse I heard on the radio, Mm -hmm. but boy, is that fun to read, right? The poem really teaches you how to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, aloud. So that, that was a real pleasure to read aloud because at first I was just like, Meh, I'm not sure I dig this, um, the way it sits on the page. Uh, but it's, it's true. It has a really organic voice when you mm-hmm. read it, even rehearing it in my brain as you're speaking, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's thoughtful and it makes one think. <laughs> it's thoughtful itself and I think there's a lot to think about like yeah. you can hang out here and think about yeah. a lot of things you know which, which, even the ant like as soon as you yeah. say somebody's smoking in 2017 that mm-hmm. hypes her in some ways right mm-hmm. and a breakfast cigarette no less you know but she takes her out for walks and has conversations with her you know she might not be well but the the speaker is getting value yeah that you know but, but remember too what Cherie said it's like it's 2017 now but this is a recollection of like 20, right. say 20 years ago 30 years ago who knows right so the breakfast cigarette back then <laughs> is possible perhaps in a way that it's not now and which is evocative for me like I'm like oh yeah I can I can actually see that I remember you know I had an aunt who smoked a pack of cigarettes a day easily right mm-hmm. so it's the, that as you said earlier too the specificity actually works beautifully to conjure that that yeah lovely weirdness you know I think it would bring up so much for so many people even though it is 2017 
Bingo. Do you know anybody that smokes, Sheree? I do. Yeah. As everybody's going to know somebody, right? Like for my mom, she got all five of us off to school. And then she would sit down at the kitchen table and have her breakfast cigarette. Like mm. and it was like a reward for, she'd already been up for two hours, you know, mm-hmm. getting every all, five kids off to school. Mm-hmm. And that was her ritual morning cigarette. And I, I can remember that, you know, so, so anyway, um, at least we, we have it on number if we don't let Joe vote. <laughs> I told Joe, we were such a small group and he's participated so many times. He's kind of a, an editor by now. <laughs> Seriously, de facto. Yeah. <laughs> um, so shall we? Yes, let's vote. Okay. One, two, three, vote. All right. It's in. Yay. Yay, Jessica (laughs) Hudgens. Thank you so much for Elegy. Yay. We're happy and proud. Um, Listeners, I I think, yeah, Marion mentioned this. You can can look at it um, on the podcast page for now, and then it will be uh, both online and in our print annual for later. Woohoo. Okay. All righty. Okay. Next up is Rebecca Baggett. Daddy Box 2. So this is another uh, poet who had some work accepted other places, and um, we asked her permission to read this. So now I'm gonna. Ready? (laughs) Rebecca Baggett, Daddy Box 2. The locked box contains a pack of L&M cigarettes, a gray steel lighter, a frayed deck of cards, A brown beer bottle with a peeling label, twist of black pepper, bottle of barbecue sauce, cup of dark coffee, handful of watermelon seed, a faded green cap, a black metal lunchbox, a scattering of wrenches and screws, pork rinds in an unopened cellophane bag, the key to an old truck, the truck itself, Mud flecked on the fenders, the tailgate dropped, loaded with lumber for the playhouse he'll frame in a weekend with his brother Bill for help. Uncle Bill, with his crooked grin, his thin frame leaning into the wood, the skeleton playhouse that will stand unfinished for months, then gradually fill with lumber ends, old tires, half-used cans of paint, then truck the truck in which he will bring home the two piglets you name Wonder Woman and Supergirl. Piglets that grow into sows fenced at the back of the lot across the alley. Sows you watch while daddy tosses buckets of scraps across the fence. The fence where you perch on a hot August afternoon, eating watermelons split against the truck fender. Sweet, sticky rivers of juice pouring down your arms and chin. And you eat every bite, down to the pink against the rind. Then pitch the rinds to the snorting pigs who crunch and mutter as they feast. The whole of that summer is in the box, including the night you all swam in the little above-ground pool in the backyard. You, 
your sisters, your father and mother, the night he let you pile one after the other on his back, then rose and fell across the surface like a dolphin diving over the ocean's curve. While your mother laughed in the darkness and you could see only the outlines of their faces, but you knew everyone was smiling. There is that night, far at the bottom of the box, the night you could imagine what a happy family was like. Nice reading, Kathleen. Ah, oh, thanks. Yeah, I've loved, th- loved a few times. No, no, no. <laughs> there's something, there's a way in which like list poems really feel like an incantation. Right. Yeah. Like I re- it's just, and I, I think the sort of the, the, the pace that you adopted was, it suits this piece really beautifully. And maybe it told you to, right. Maybe the, these yeah. line breaks told you to read it at that pace. Right. So I, I think it's, it's pretty astounding how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess let's start there. The list is the obvious place to start, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we old, I'll put you in the we with the old mare. We old editors, you know, have um, an automatic reaction to lists in poems, right? Mm-hmm. And say, ah, ah, get out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so easy to do. But yet, I'll just start the conversation by saying this list um, is redeemed as a list poem for me or redeems the idea of a list poem because the items are so specific and each single one, I don't know, is incantates a word? Now I want to use Marion's word. Um, every single item on its own brings up a lot. <laughs> they're... they're, they're really important items you know from the great a gray steel lighter a frayed deck of cards you could pause longer on every single item you could give every one of these items to a class as a prompt you know Mm -hmm. so um i like the movement from the list to the more narrative um of the family and especially the father yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's that. I you're right. I love the fact that it's the three of us Wonder Women today talking about <laughs> poems about daddies, right? Um, so there's the the redemption of the list, right? I think that's a really cool way of framing this because I think the motor of the poem is really like. It's like the, the engine is kind of like a spiral. It's like this Pandora's box moment, right? Like this box is yeah. full of these detailed things. And once that box lid is open, the thing that sort of spirals up and gets conjured, right, is this whole universe of this family, right? And then it sort of spirals back down into that particular moment in the pool. And I love the image, right, of the father turned dolphin, right? Like cruising the surface with everybody on his back. Like it's really, um, I think a lovely, lovely image. I don't, I'm not a fan though of the last few lines of the poem that um, sort of like really put a button on what the poem is about, right? Like far at the bottom of the box, it's the night you can imagine what a happy family was like. And, you know, this is, again, this is my taste and, and, Mm-hmm. Folks might disagree um, that 
it, you know, it just, that like really does put a button on the very thing that, that I was getting from the poem already. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like this, that, that, that spiraling up and the act of recollection and the, the, the remembering these disparate pieces into this narrative of the family. I, I was there. I, I got it. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I don't necessarily need that, uh, confirmation. Okay. I'll, allow me to, um, beg everybody's indulgence. Sheree, Marion, Joe, our dear listeners. <laughs> I would like to do something. Okay. Do it. Just listen. He let you pile one after the other on his back, then rose and fell across the surface like a dolphin diving over the ocean's curve, while your mother laughed in the darkness, and you could see only the outlines of their faces, but you knew everyone was smiling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So, Marion, I should have maybe asked your permission to say this on the air, but Joe can always erase it if you get really mad at me. What? Um, uh, I think we're all we're very very transparent about our transparent about our editorial process, and um, when people ask me, do you ever edit work? I think we all say the same answer, only if it's a really easy edit, Yeah, right? We don't send something back and say, oh, it's a little fleshy. Oh, I want to see this more. You know, we don't give abstractions. But if we can lop off three lines mm-hmm. and we feel like there's an argument that the poem actually becomes stronger with less, mm-hmm. we will uh, request that sort of edit from... A poet. So that is what I would suggest for this piece. Oh my God. I thought you were going to go further and say, and Marion, you suck at endings. Therefore, you're like, oh. <laughs> what? like honestly, I, why, why did you just ask what? my permission for, for you to say what you just said? Cause it's absolutely the most logical truthful thing like that's that's exactly what well you're my Thelma to yours uh, you know we're we are who we are and I just okay. revealed uh something that I didn't know if you'd be like cool <laughs> with it if you'd think that uh, Rebecca Baggett shouldn't yeah. we shouldn't talk about the poem in that way or you know yeah, whatever. No. whatever I all right so I'm I'm so down with that transparency because I also want to be totally humble to the poet meaning maybe she feels like that's absolutely the most important line of the poem. And she might not want the poem to see the light of day with those lines. That's her fault. Right. Um, But I think as, as you, I I think we're sort of talking around this too. Like, you know um, when I, when I work with um, student writers, sometimes when they're writing essays, you know, this old, this old truth, like you have to write the draft in order to figure out what it is you're writing. And sometimes what happens is that the argument or the thesis sits in the last page rather than the first page when you're drafting. And it almost feels as if like there's a way in which this poem works that like that the last two lines or three lines are doing that work of like driving the point home, really. Like she's figured out what the argument is, but she doesn't need to say it because she's actually said it especially if she pulls her punches and ends on the word smiling because then she's showing it rather than telling us what, what she means. Um, but I think you're right. Like this for, for editors like us, especially when we're, you know, 
moving through the slush pile. We don't have the time to really like dwell and develop pieces with writers. Um, but when, you know, we see something like this, of course, we're going to come back to the writer and say, this is a gentle suggestion, a humble suggestion. We'd like the poem like this. If you're down with it, let us roll, you know? Yeah. 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 I thought there was going to be bigger secrets though. I thought there was going to be a bigger, like... <laughs> reveal in your I would never your tell them about your favorite hubby in high school now <laughs> let's just shut um yeah I, I I well I guess I've also been transparent I'm already a yes if we can take those three lines off right I might have been a yes even without them I love the piglets of Wonder Woman and Supergirl uh I feel good about this family I I don't even mind that dad never completed the playhouse and it became a jewel shed yeah. that kind of shit happens yeah it you know? does Cherie 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 though jump in jump in do you, what do you think where, where where's your head on this you even said a word um, I mean, I guess everything I started to say, you guys said. So, sixteen. <laughs> Sorry. So, she acts like we've been interrupting her. <laughs> no, I mean, I I don't like to interrupt, so I was just you know absorbing, and they were the things that I was thinking. So, um, <laughs> you know, like the same thing with the the lines, the smiling. Like I love the idea of ending on smiling because you get, you mean you clearly understand it. This is a happy family, and um. But I guess, again, I'm wondering <laughs> who the speaker is here. I mean, I guess it, it can be one of those children, but it's like in the, the second person, it's like, you remember this and there was this and, you know, like telling the person. So I'm just wondering who's speaking. I don't know why that's always so important for me. <laughs> um, I think uh, it's a family of daughters. Somehow I'm getting, that's why they named the pigs girl yeah. names and they were going to have a playhouse and, you know, um, not a, what's in a clubhouse, right? Is right. what you would say for a non-gendered one, maybe, or a boy's place. I thought playhouse was non-gendered. I don't know. No. I had a playhouse. <laughs> and at one point of our lives, it was very, like, a miniature little house. We even had, like, you know, fake kitchen or something. You know what I mean? And then as years went on and we got really cool, then came out the black light posters and it became a clubhouse. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's my problem. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I have two goals for this summer now. I had only one. I My only goal this summer was to perfect the wine slushy. <laughs> now... I also mm -hmm. want to take a watermelon and crack it on a tailgate <laughs> and eat it that way. Like just the broke up pieces, right? Mm -hmm. When that, I, there was something, wow, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just rawr with a watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And then we'll have to drive around and find some pigs. <laughs> In the pickup, we'll drive and find somewhere to give them the, pick, the rides. But anyway, um, so, I'm wondering what this. I'm wondering what this this box is. I mean, because at first we yeah, have, yeah. like 
this idea of a, a literal box. The lockbox contains a pack of LM cigarettes. You have these small, really, you know, tiny items and very specific. And then you get to really more like, um, I guess, moments and experiences. Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, what? You have like pork rinds and so. Yeah, that's back. right where it goes. That's right yeah, where it yeah. blows up. Pork rinds, the Kiruno truck, the truck itself. Yeah, the truck itself. And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, the truck can't be in the box. And so, like, that was clearly, like, the turning point for him. Just like, where are we? And so I'm guessing that this this daddy box is is all of the memories, the fond memories of... these these daughters of these children with their their father. Um, But then I'm also questioning why the, the box is locked. Is it, mm-hmm. is it, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. kind of other memories too, are they too uh, precious and they're just kind of sealed? Um, is the father gone? Is, right. you know, has something changed? Yeah. <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm glad you picked out that moment because I, the very first time I read it, I loved that moment that the key kind of then opens up the truck, the truck itself. And that's when we get in the broader picture and move to the narrative uh, with a key. Kind of don't mind that at all. Well, I think we might be ready to vote. What do you think? Um, well, <laughs> are we voting as is or voting? Let's let's ask Rebecca Baggett to lop off those last three lines. I kind of want to vote on the second there. Right? Like I, okay. I, yeah, that's with edits. With edits. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three, vote. And we are three for three. Yeah. On today's Joe was sitting there with his thumb up and I thought it was his vote. <laughs> I was still waiting for a sign from God that Marion had spoken. I don't know what I would happen there. He's calmly got his thumb up and I'm like, what? What's Marion say though? Okay, glad you're in. What's Marion say? Uh Joe. So yay, unanimous. Two for two. Thank you, Rebecca Baggett, for Daddy Box Two. Um, so what a what a wonderful episode and what a um, Wonder Woman conversation. Dun 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 dun. Uh. <laughs> did you did everybody see it yet? Not yet. I'm gonna see it in the next couple of days though. Me too. Me too. Let's see it at the same time, even though okay. we'll be in different places. And we'll text each other rudely, yeah. like rude we'll audience te- members. <laughs> we'll be those obnoxious <laughs> people texting in the movie. Cherie, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> you have to see it at the same time with us, okay? And text okay. us rudely, all right? All right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, yeah, I'm really happy. That was a great episode. I'm glad we took both of these. And um, thanks again to Jessica Hutchins and Rebecca Baggett. And, um, 
and to everyone else. So listeners, please um, follow us on all social media platforms. Tell us what you think of the show. Share the show. Um, use the ha- hashtag tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D, when you do share it with others. And um, keep reading. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Sheree.